Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. Everybody, welcome to the Profoundly Pointless Podcast. My name is Nick. Today we are talking about basketball and love. First time I dunked, uh, I had to been 15 years old. I was 5 feet 6. By the time I was 16, I was 6 foot 1, and I started going between the legs. So I shot up all that energy, pain, hate, whatever, all those emotional energy, and just put it into something positive and that's what I found with dunking in basketball. Anytime you see a white dude uh, go and throw an alley at 12 feet and then go catch it with ease, the, people's eyes are usually popping out of their head. You know, I I, I took my, my wife to White Castle several times on Valentine's Day. I got her the extra blue booth. I remember one time when my wife was like, I scratched your back on Tuesday, Okay. <laughs> I thought you were just bumping into me on the way to the fridge. Like, I didn't know what you were doing. Apparently, that was sign for sex. I didn't know about it. So, first off, I have to apologize for the way I just said love a second ago. I understand that it was probably horrifying to most people. If you're still with us, I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, like, download, subscribe, share. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. I've never really been a big sports guy. But of all the sports out there, basketball has always been the one that probably fascinated me the most. And growing up, we had one of those adjustable rims outside of our house. And like most people with an adjustable rim, that thing never got anywhere near 10 feet. I mean, eight and a half tops if we were really trying to push ourselves. So I've always been fascinated by people who can really dunk. Like, I think that's probably the coolest athletic achievement that somebody can do. Because if you can dunk and you're under seven feet tall, that's kind of impressive. Our first guest today is a professional dunker. This is Jared Roth. And not only is he really kind of coming into his own as a professional dunker, but he has this inspiring story about what got him here. So when was the first time that you dunked? First time I dunked... uh... I had to been 15 years old. I was five feet six. I started dunking when I was seven years old on the low rims. And then by the time I was 13, five feet four is when I started grabbing the rim. So by the time I was 16, I was six foot one and I started going between the legs. So I shot up that year between age 15 and 16, had a major growth spurt. And that's when I really discovered that I could do it on a regulation rim. That first dunk, man, what was that like? It was unreal, man. I I was at my high school gym, and we had a zero-hour basketball. And there was a couple – it was actually a dunk test day. So what they were doing, you dunk a tennis ball, dunk a volleyball, and then if you could get those down, you'd go for the basketball. And I had some of the senior class, some of the older guys rooting me on who I was kind of trying to impress, and nobody could really dunk. And I was 5'6". I uh, went up there off one foot, and I got my first dunk. And 
I knew all all the work has started to pay off at that point. Were you kind of actively really trying to dunk at that point, or were you just playing basketball? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, like I said, when I was seven years old, when I started on the low rims, I would would watch the NBA dunk contest and go in my backyard and just try to replicate whatever Vince Carter, Jason Richardson, all those guys were doing and try to do it on the eight-foot rim and then, once I got a little bit taller, the rim got a little bit taller. My style actually stayed the same pretty much. And Are you pretty much now, do you usually jump off one foot or are you going off two? Uh, I go off one or two feet. Uh, that's my specialty that uh, really separates me from the other other top dunkers around the world. There's about 10 of us that are like extremely high flyers, guys that can out dunk the NBA dunkers and um there's only like two other guys in the world that go off one or two feet so i'll say that that's really my specialty for people who don't really realize what's the in terms of like why is it different why do some people mainly jump off two and some people mainly jump off one well uh two foot is actually a lot more common uh you'll see a lot of people be able to jump off two feet like even guys that train crossfit or people that do gymnastics a lot of two foot and then one foot you primarily see track and field athletes, and me having a, a track and field background, I ran college track at the University of Arizona. Uh, yeah, one, two feet, it it's really comes down to the footwork. Uh, one foot, you're planting heel-toe on that last step, and it's, you're, it's a lot less knee bend. Your, your center of gravity stays higher. And then two feet, it's a little more knee bend, about 45 degrees, and... Um, you plant heel toe and then the last step is just your toe so um, I studied a lot of the the best dunkers There's a lot of street ball dunkers and you know for about 15 15 years I just studied the footwork studied the technique and really geared in on how I could use biomechanics to to jump as high as I can I mean a lot of people I guess would just think that you're just going out there and just jumping but it sounds like there's obviously a lot more to it than that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's it's really a science to it, and and for me, aside from studying studying the guys and just uh, seeing seeing who's the highest jumpers, what kind of jumping techniques they use, I try to incorporate a lot of the different training styles. So I, I primarily train like a track and field athlete, but I also train like a basketball player. Um, I, I work work pretty much like it's a full-time job close to close to what a person working a full-time job with that's the amount of hours I put weekly into my training so I take it take it very seriously it is my profession and yeah I do a lot of different training flexibility speed training lifting plyometrics and I kind of just combine everything from the high school coaches college college coaches and other professional basketball teams I played on I just try to combine that into one. So you were originally, a, or you did a lot of track. What did you uh, What did you run? Uh, I did high jump and long jump. Well, that would make sense as a professional dunker, huh? Yeah, yeah. I mean, basketball was my first passion uh, since age four. You know, watching Space Jam, watching Michael Jordan, it was always a dream to be able to dunk a basketball. And I really used basketball as kind of my outlet for any type of adversity I experienced in life, if there was any uh, family problems or, you know, my dad, he has a seizure disorder. I was his caregiver for, you know, about 20 years. And I had to grow up quick. And whenever 
let's say there was a an ambulance or something here. I, I always use basketball as my outlet. I would go outside and shoot some shots to try to get my get my mind off of whatever was going on and anything negative that that goes or comes our way in life. I always just try to you use all that energy, pain, hate, whatever, all those emotional energy, and just put it into something positive. And that's what I found with dunking and basketball. Did now were your parents pretty athletic, or were you kind of the aberration in the family? My mom says she ran some track in grade school, and she jumped a lot further than people. And my dad was always a baseball player. He he coached my sisters um, in softball and. My grandpa almost made it to the Brooklyn Dodgers, or I think he did. He was on he was on the team at some point. So a lot of baseball, um, not really any basketball. I'm the first basketball player. What was it about basketball that kind of drew it to you? Was it just seeing Jordan on TV? To be honest, a hundred percent. Yeah, Michael Jordan. Uh, watching Space Jam. I remember when I watched that movie. I would, I would literally be jumping off the walls like in excitement and. Whenever I could, if I was walking around somewhere, I'd always go try to jump up and touch like a, like the wall or the the rafter, whatever I could see a sign. I'll just always be trying to test my jumping ability. So, what's your vertical? Uh, my vertical right now is fifty inches off one or two feet. Uh, I've I've got close to touching a thirteen foot marker it was at a venice beach contest they had a mark at the top of the backboard where you try to ring the bell i swiped just next to it and i actually think it was because they had the stick leaning away a little bit they had it a little higher but um i've jumped over a 64 inch bar and dunked it and yeah i'm trying to i'm trying to improve my vertical to around 55 to 60 inches i feel like me being 25 years old I am starting to enter my prime, but this next five years is going to be crucial to me getting those extra inches on my vertical to really push the barriers of dunks that haven't been done. Um, The closest person to a double between the legs dunk as well as a between the legs behind the back dunk. And those dunks bounced in and out. They went halfway down the rim and bounced out. So I'm hoping to get those this year. Um, I've done a 720 dunk where you spin twice. I've done my signature dunk. It's an off the backboard 360 between the legs. And the coolest, the coolest dunk I did was um, it was a Chicago Bulls halftime show, and I had a Michael Jordan jersey underneath the other jersey, and I took it off. And the, the crowd erupted. I walked back full court. Uh, took 11 steps, and my foot landed exactly on the free throw line. Uh, exactly where Michael Jordan's foot did 27 years previous. So I, I jumped from the free throw line in Chicago Bulls wearing a Michael Jordan jersey. That's pretty cool, man. What did the crowd do when you did that? It, it was unreal, man. They were they were going crazy. It was actually my second NBA halftime show, and I knew I wanted to pull out something that hadn't been seen. That's one of those things that's like pretty mystical, like a leprechaun or a unicorn like a fourth dimension type creature and I had I, I knew I had the potential and the night before uh, I was talking to God and he just kept telling me do it do it 
dude, and it was it just repeating that in my head. So I had this overwhelming confidence because I was going against one of my idols growing up. His name was Golden Child. And I looked up to him since I was like 14. So he was one of the top dogs. And I came up there and I destroyed the show. I won the contest and it, it was it was a great moment. I mean, now for the life of a professional dunker, like, are you traveling a lot? What is that like? Yeah, um, so I play with with different organizations. I've played with the, the Harlem Wizards. It's a team based out in New York, similar to the Globe Charters. It's, it's a yellow and purple team. They travel around the country and doing shows. I play with a team called Court Kings. That's another professional streetball organization. Uh, team Flight Brothers. Uh, I did some shows with them. Been on ESPN City Slam, uh, Sprite contest, Nike contest. Uh, a lot of the contests are during the summertime. So right now I'm actually preparing for the, preparing for the summer. How much? Like how many hours a day are you going to spend training or practicing dunks? Me trying to treat it like a full time job and like near the volume of what someone would be if they're working a full time job. I'll say anywhere between usually four and seven hours a day of training. Wow. Is it mostly just jump training, strength training? What are you doing? A lot of it is, is recovery work, too. So I don't, I couldn't, if I was just worked on explosive stuff, it would probably lean towards me getting hurt. So a lot of it has to do with, you know, resistance, body weight, rubber bands. Uh, I stay pretty light on the weights and a lot of, a lot of body weight stuff, a lot of calisthenics and being able to use your core. I like I like movements that involve the whole body and not just you won't see me really in the gym doing bicep curls or hamstring curls. I do a lot of movements if 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 it doesn't work like my legs and my core and my my upper body, I I pretty much try to avoid it. Financially, like is this you can do this full time? Is this like what are we talking? Well, the financially the main source of income is definitely going to be coming from adapts plyometric training and that's my i do have a athletic coaching services that i provide both local and online training so i train clients online and to help them jump higher people from different countries i'm always getting people from around the world asking what's the secrets how do i jump higher that that's one of the main ways i'm, I'm trying to open my own gym here in tucson arizona and get that going but also there's there's a lot of contests i've been in with major major prize earnings anywhere from ten thousand dollars i lost that by two seconds on the espn show i got second place by two seconds um there's a show called tnt dunk king that's a hundred thousand and then uh last year there's a a dunk contest called dunk league that's another hundred thousand dollar dunk contest where you you know, it's the best of the best, top 10 in the world. And that's the dunk contest I really plan on securing a victory in this year. But it's been, you know, 10, 15 years of hard work. And I am I have a good, strong feeling that this is the year that my success is really going to pay off financially. I mean, it definitely sounds like the top guys can really make some good money. Can most people yeah. kind of can most people get through it or is, like do people kind of come and go out of the industry? It's it's really uh it's it's kind of like the one percent in the United States. It's though, like for example, with City Slam, the 
the guy that won got ten thousand dollars. The guy that got second place gets a you know a small check, a pat on the back, and then a safe trip home. So you really got to be the, the best to make an income. But aside from winning contests, it it's kind of just being a basketball figure. There's commercials, uh, photo shoots, movies, TV shows, stuff like that that open up other opportunities and and avenues of acting. Uh, that that really they need basketball players like for example if they're shooting a nike or a jordan commercial and they need somebody to throw down a dunk or somebody that can dribble a basketball and looks like a basketball player these are the type of things that you know being a professional dunker is what they're looking for now you did you're doing a lot of youtube stuff now right with professor yeah yeah recently i i did a a youtube movie with the professor and I was Iron Man, so he he had me go out to California for a few days and we, we filmed that movie and it got close to half a million views in about a month. It was unreal to be able to meet him because I, I looked up to him growing up and it's been great to be able to rub shoulders with a lot of the guys I grew up watching. Uh, Hot Sauce, Professor, guys from Am One, Zigzag. All these dunkers, these, these dunkers that I look up to, I'm actually on the same court now. And this this is, you know, this is kind of where I've settled at. I've accepted my role as a professional dunker. But my main dream growing up my whole life was to be in the NBA. I feel like as kids, we're, we're taught to think that those kind of dreams are far-fetched, like going to the NBA. or, But really, you just got to put up good numbers in high school, good numbers in college be at the right place at the right time and I didn't get an opportunity in high school although we won state I was pretty much a bench warmer and so I went to track one state in that and senior year I was bitter from being benched so I made a, a bad decision to not play basketball my senior year and run track I won another state championship I already knew I was going to run college track at the University of Arizona so I kind of specialized a little too young I'm, I, I don't think you and I are too di- too much different in age. I remember watching, like, the streetball stuff with the professor. He, yeah. What was that like meeting him and kind of working with him? He's, he's a down-to-earth guy. I mean, he's he's a real person. Uh, that's the thing about a lot of these, you know, celebrities or Internet celebrities. It's just normal people. It's, they got families to feed. They got... They got loved ones. They're passionate about what they do, and I learned. I learned from him. He he taught me a few dribbling moves as well in the parking lot before we were leaving. But uh, he also taught me that those those people that try to bring you down with negativity, just ignore them. Just just focus on the people that that are positive and support what you're trying to do. Do you ever just lower down the rim, though, to like eight or nine feet and just go to town? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I don't dunk on low rims too often. There's, you know, some guys that, that do it a lot more. I, I like to practice on the regulation, but uh, I'll do that maybe once a month, every every couple months, or uh, work on some dunks that just to work on the technique because it helps with the technique to get it on the low rim first and Best dunker ever, Jared Roth. Best, uh, best NBA dunker. Let's say that best, best NBA dunker. 
Uh, I'll say Michael Jordan, but Vince Carter a close second. I, I do think that Vince Carter has the best dunk of all time. You think so? I, that dunk in the Olympics is pretty hard to beat. Oh, yeah. I mean, in-game in dunks, definitely uh, a lot of people agree that that's the best in-game dunk. He jumped over seven foot three. Frederick Wees at the... They were playing against France at the Olympics. Definitely, you know, arguably the best dunk ever in game. But I, I got some guys in street ball that have better in game dunks. Uh, there's a dunker named the Air up there. He's considered a, a, a goat, a legend, one of the top three dunkers. And uh, he did a 720 dunk in the game. And I was able to replicate that dunk 10 times, like in a practice session, not in the game. But. This guy would do 360 between the legs in the game, 720s in the game, things that Vince Carter couldn't even fathom to do. What is that like? Okay, so you look at an NBA player and then you look at a professional dunker. What is it about the professional dunker that they are they just more athletic? Like, why can't the NBA player do the same kind of dunks that you can do? Well, I think it's really just specialization. Uh, I feel like dunking to me is kind of like halfway between track and field and basketball. So it's you're really specialized on jumping. A lot of those NBA players don't have time to get in the gym and focus on creating new dunks and practicing dunks because they have to work on other aspects, dribbling, shooting, you know, playing defense, in-game situations. And these are all things that I, I still incorporate. I, I like to train as a basketball player, work on my dribbling, shooting, defense, in-game. But they focus on that a lot more. And obviously, they're on the road for 82 games a year, so they don't have as much time to work on dunking. So we leave it to the professional dunkers. If they let some of us professional dunkers into the NBA dunk contest, a lot of the world would probably be surprised that we could out-dunk them. Are they, I mean, how do, when you perform at like the NBA halftime shows, how do those NBA guys react to the stuff that you guys are doing? Oh, they love it, man. The, some of the, some of the NBA guys support dunkers. I've actually got followed from, uh, on Instagram from a few NBA players that I used to look up to. Uh, Steve Francis is one of them. He was a guy I always looked up to and he gave me some words of motivation. He said, keep creating dunks that make their heads spin. I'm sure they realize not not everybody that has the talent or the potential to be in the NBA got that opportunity at the right time, at the right place. So, you know, streetball has been around since the early 2000s. And a lot of those NBA players watched and one, watched Hot Sauce, watched, watched the movement of streetball. So they definitely uh, embrace and respect the, as the aspect of dunking. Besides yourself, best streetballer, professional dunker of all time. I'll have to go with three of them. They're kind of tied to me. Uh, it would be Air up there, the guy I told you about, then T Dub. T Dub's the guy that's five foot nine and gets his chin to the rim. Uh, he did a 540 dunk with two hands uh, between the legs over people, doing invented a bunch of dunks. And then there's another guy named Kador Ziani. He's about 41 years old and he could kick the rim. He's one of my major um, influencers, and I would consider one of my coaches, really. I, I learned a lot from him as far as the mental, the spiritual, and the physical aspect. Are people, like, when you go out on the court, I mean, obviously, you're how tall? I'm 6'3". 6'3". Are people surprised when yeah. you start dunking, or are they kind of taken aback? Oh, yeah. I mean, 
I mean, we've all heard white man can't jump. So anytime you see a white dude uh, go and throw an alley at 12 feet and then go catch it with ease, people's eyes are usually popping out of their head. Uh, I usually get like five or ten people asking what kind of vertical lead program I use, and I tell them adapt. That's my program. And there's usually like 20 people with their phones out filming it. Whatever type of gym, I try to hit every gym in Tucson from northeast, southwest. I go to all the recreation centers, all the open gyms. I play in a couple adult men's leagues on the weekends and just try to, you know, stay active in the basketball community. Most impressive dunk. What do you think is overall the most impressive dunk? The most impressive dunk is the dunk that I'm going to land this year, double between the legs. Um, yeah, the the first, it's called a rider, it's called an east bay, it's called a between the legs funk. They, it first started in, in the dunk contest by Isaiah Ryder, and that was about in the mid-90s, I believe. So it took almost... 30 years over 30 years to for dunking to now be at the the point of revolution where we're waiting on a, a double between the legs dunk. i mean i would just imagine that eventually there's only so much stuff that you can do right well i mean after i do the the double between the legs i'm gonna do it with two hands then i'm gonna do it with the 180 then with the 360 and then off the lob and then off the backboard so i mean there's always variations uh like ways to add a little bit of flavor to it. Same thing with the Michael Jordan dunk, uh, the free throw line dunk. One, once guys started realizing jumping from the free throw with one hand was a little too easy, now we got people doing windmills, doing between the legs. And this past year, I was about half a foot from doing a windmill from the free throw line. I'm also working on getting that between the legs from the free throw line. Who's the better basketball player? Jordan or LeBron James? Oh, I mean, Michael Jordan is always going to be the icon uh, of basketball. I don't think anyone could ever change that. I think a better question with LeBron would be Kobe Bryant. I mean, a lot lot of people argue them. They're close. Uh, Also, you got a a new up-and-coming athlete who's one of the freakiest athletes I've ever seen. And that's uh, Zion Williamson. To me, he he looks like the next LeBron James. I've seen some highlights of that guy. That looks ridiculous. Like, he looks like he's probably close to 300 pounds and just jumps out of the gym. Yeah, for somebody to be that size and be that explosive is is something we haven't really seen yet. So it should be exciting to see that guy in the NBA the next few years. Okay, last question from me. I'm 5'8 and 3 quarters. I once grazed the rim. Are you impressed? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think I think anybody under 6 feet that could touch the rim can dunk. But, you know, if you wanted to try adapt, I could definitely get you dunking. I, I may be pretty far past my prime, man. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if it's coming back anytime soon. <laughs> we can hope. We can hope. Uh, here's the okay. I guess one more last last question. More impressive feet. Be honest about this because you've got a little bit of a baseball history with your family. I think yeah. the two big things are always dunk a basketball, hit a home run. Which one of those do you think is more difficult to do? Oh, that's a tough question. I mean, they're both their own feet in their own right, but I, I'll have to stick with dunking a basketball, not to be biased, but I feel like that's the most exciting playing basketball. Not a lot of people 
can do it. And as far as the home run, it depends what kind of home run we're talking about. Because if it's a 500 feet Babe Ruth towering over the whole facility home run, that's that's something to see. Yeah, I feel like ultimately I agree with you. It's the slam dunk because you could a grown man could accidentally hit a home run. You can't accidentally dunk. I want to thank Jared Ross so much for joining us. If you want to connect with him, we've linked to him on our social media accounts. We're Profoundly Pointless on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. His Instagram is really cool. Like He shows a lot of the dunks that he does. And even if you're not a big-time like sports person or a basketball person, I think you would look at these different dunks and go, wow, that's, that's actually really impressive. All right, so now let's go ahead and give John Shaw a call. I'm calling him six minutes late. I guarantee he will bring it up. Hello, lovely. You know, I really thought that you were going to bring up the fact that I was calling you a little bit late. No, no. It, listen, it is Valentine's Day weekend, and, I, and I, or week rather. And as my designated Valentine, I'm letting it slide. Let me ask you this: Do you think that I'm an attractive man? For a man of your stature, sure. No, I mean, when you look at my face, would you say that I'm an, that I'm a good-looking guy? Well, I mean, I I don't think I'm one to really ask that question because, well, let me let me phrase it this way: you have a punchable face. But is it a good-looking punchable face? I mean, look, we're just two men having a conversation here. I think it's a relatively simple question: Do you think that I'm a good-looking guy? I'm, I'm going to have to defer all, all comments. To my uh, public relations office. See now, right there, I feel like that you want to say yes, but you just won't do it. But uh, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, right? Can you give me a number in your personal opinion, scale of one to ten? What are you going to put me at? Be honest. An eight. I'll take an eight from you. That's going to change. I'm going to give you a six and a half. See, I actually think I have a very likable face. No, I think you have a likable face. Um, I just, as another man, do not look at your face and think that, oh, that's a really good-looking guy. Like, I look at Cristiano Ronaldo and think, that's a good-looking guy. I don't look at you and think, that's a good-looking guy. But I think you have a nice face. No, you look at me and you go, that guy's had a couple of hamburgers. Yeah. Well, (laughs) and let's just say there was extra cheese as well. (laughs) Lots of mayo. Lots of mayo. Let's talk about your ex-girlfriends. My ex-girlfriends, okay. Do you, do they hate you? I I wouldn't know because to be 100% truthful with you, I don't, uh, I don't talk or nor have I, have I seen an ex-girlfriend in, in years. But your assumption, do you think that they, do you think they probably don't like you or do you think they're probably secretly like okay? Or what do you think that they feel about you at this moment? I'm sure they they probably they probably miss me. I'm a great guy. I'm pretty sure I'm a, I'm a catch. I'm pretty sure I know for a fact that one probably significantly hates me, and the other is pretty much indifferent. I would say. I mean, let me put it this way: I'm not getting any Valentine's uh, on Valentine's Day from anyone other than my daughter or my wife. Let me put it that way. Do you think that it is ever acceptable to be? friends and communicate with an ex while having a new person in your life see I, i'm not against that however throughout throughout my uh my very bland dating career 
I have found that uh, it's very hard to have the opposite sex as a as a friend. It's just hard. Yeah, I think that men and women can be friends. I don't know if it actually ever works out, though. I mean, I, I, I guess it also depends where you're at and at what point of your life you're in. I mean, I would say between 16 and 30, neither party really wants to be friends. Yeah, I would agree with that. I've had some but, women. I've had some women in my life that I would say I'm. I look at purely as friends. I don't know if they would say the same thing though. I I still will never understand how you were ever able to you know get a girlfriend, let alone get married. Hey, here's a question for you: Have you ever dated a blind or deaf person? No, I have not. Have you? I have. Uh, really. Yeah, it lasted uh, a whole Saturday night. That's how quick it was. That is not dating. How is that dating? It's one day. It was. It was a date. It was a. It was one date. Okay, so you went on a date with. Was she blind or deaf? Probably would have had to deaf. be both. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you you want to hear some sad online dating stories? I can tell you some. Oh, I was there uh, for some. You were there for that. <laughs> I forgot that we actually lived within 50 miles of one another at one point. Yeah, um, you had a rough speak, patch. I was looking back through my old wedding photos today. Mr. Sentimental. And what... <laughs> I, I do cry and I have lots of Kleenex and uh, hand lotion. But that's, that once again, that's something else for another time. Uh, I came across multiple pictures of a certain somebody who will go unnameless and... Uh, <laughs> in just his vest. And I have to admit, this person had some pretty... I was surprised to see the amount of uh, chest hair on this person. Oh, I have a shocking amount of... No one would ever think that I have as much chest hair as I do. It's very impressive, actually. You seem... I, I don't even think you can grow facial hair. And I, I can't... I'm not one to speak, because I, I really can't either. But, man... Seeing you without your shirt off uh, that night and now reliving it yet again, I mean, you could put a forest on there and it might get lost in the hair. Well, let's let, let's not push it up that much. I would say that I have not a huge amount of chest hair, like I'm not Robin Williams-esque kind of chest hair, but you, I would agree with you in the sense that you would definitely be surprised at the amount of chest hair that I have. By the way, while I we're thinking about it, did are are we believing anyone that claims to have taken that photo of me? Oh, I wait a minute. Has somebody came forward and said that they took it? Yeah, on the on the on the on the Facebook page or on my page, I don't remember which one. Somebody said they took it of me while we were in college together. Do you know the person? I do. I and, and we were we lived on the same hall of of the dorm. I think my sophomore year. Uh, but I don't remember ever having that interaction, but. So for people who maybe have not seen this picture, which is now up on our social media accounts, it is a picture of John claims it's not him when obviously it clearly is him passed out at a <laughs> urinal. And he's basically just, he's got his head up against the side of the urinal. It's a hilarious picture. And it was posted to the chive. So you're saying somebody has come forward yeah, so yeah, I was, his name's uh, Cameron Rogers. Do you know him well enough that anybody could kind of validate his claims? Uh, uh, I mean, I know, I know him well enough 
I, I don't know. I'd have to ask him who his roommates were. I don't I don't remember that. Well, we need to investigate because we did actually say we would offer a reward for it. <laughs> uh, $500 of your child's uh, education fund, I believe. Well, look, he's a Vinzant. He's not going to be smart enough to get into college anyway. So really, that's just a, worth, a worth, waste of time. No, I mean, if he really took the picture, then I feel like we need to... Also, another thing. There was somebody who commented on one of the other pictures of you that we posted up there saying that you looked like a preacher who did cocaine all day and then tried to get me to come to his church. <laughs> well, uh, I, 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 I don't know what to say to that. I don't remember the night. Um, Are you pacing? Stop pacing. I'm not pacing. Okay, I'll stop pacing. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Damn it, it's that obvious. Yeah, it's really obvious. I can tell exactly what you're doing. Since it's Valentine's Day, let me ask you this question. Have you ever measured it? <laughs> uh, you, you won't believe me, but no, I've never measured it. I will believe you because I've never measured it either. I I think that measuring it is purely uh, elementary, and I think most men don't actually do it. No, I and think they make they make up a size. No, I think that most men don't actually do it. And if you not if you haven't actually measured it, it means it's probably about average. Like you're only going to measure it if it's small or if it's really big. If it's about adequate, then you're not going to waste your time. <laughs> I mean, <if laughs> I really don't want to have this discussion with you, but then it makes me wonder like what is the average nowadays? I don't even know. I think it's around five. Five to six is what I'm going to guess. It depends on um, where you where you come from, essentially. Not necessarily <laughs> your ethnicity, but it depends on like literally what part of the world you come from. It's different. Did you know that ostriches are one of the very few birds that have that don't have four toes? They only have two toes. Most birds have four. So I I, I had to, I have to ask this because I got to ask this and I don't know the answer. How do you pick your animal of the week? Um, I went to the zoo this weekend and saw an ostrich and thought, huh, ostrich is kind of cool. I'm going to use an ostrich. <laughs> that's well, that's I mean that's as good as any, I guess. What what was the most unimpressive animal that you saw at the zoo? For me, it was just a goat. I mean, like, look. I think a goat is probably an impressive animal in and of its own, but it's not impressive at a zoo. Like, it's just a goat. <laughs> it's like when they have, like, the farm animals, and you're like, yeah, it's a fucking cow. Yeah, I mean, I've seen cows before. I mean, I'm from Kansas. You know how many cows I've seen? Probably in the millions. <laughs> I'm not joking. I've probably seen a million cows. So, when you were a kid, did you, what was the best Valentine's that you got to give out to people like you know did you get ninja turtles did you get you know like little you know i I don't know batman ones i don't even honestly remember at all i really don't i don't remember at all that kid that didn't give any out no i did i just don't remember anything about them that's a shame i used to give like little sports ones i remember one year i gave out like 35 michael jordan's and I only gave, like, the special people the little candy hearts inside Ooh. of theirs. How many? Now, wait a minute. When you were given out, you gave out 35 Jordan Valentines. 
how many people did you give the special heart to? I mean, how like were you trying to play a numbers game, or did you have somebody specific in mind? Well, I don't remember the year nor the nor <laughs> nor the grade, but I do remember it was a a set of twins, twin sisters. <laughs> I'm not even making this up. The Horn Sisters. The Twin Horns. Yeah, that was their name, the Twin Horns. Yeah, I don't know. I had to be in second or third grade. I don't remember. Wait a minute. Did you have – I feel like that's a big decision in terms of did you like both of the twins or did you like one more than the other but felt like you had to give it to both of them? I'm pretty sure I liked the one more, but I don't remember either of their names now. So it's not not even worth it. John's Fast Five. Pew, 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 pew. John's Fast Five. Pew, 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 John's Fast Five. My turn! My turn! In a second. Wait. My This isn't going to work while he's out awake. You know that, right? Um. Do you have a Fast Five? I do. Like I like I was alluding to earlier, it is a Valentine's uh, themed Fast Five, especially because you know we come out on Wednesday, Valentine's Day is Thursday, so that's that's the basis. You know, I I was gonna do more Tom Brady. You know, we don't Fast need five, any more. We don't need any Tom more Tom Brady. He's only the greatest athlete to ever walk the face of the earth. Well, that's that's completely not true. In terms of an athletic ability, he's not the greatest athlete. There's a lot of people that were – he may be great. You could make an argument about football. He could be a football player, but he's not the greatest athlete. That's obviously Bo Jackson. Uh, I think Deion Sanders would have something to say about that. No, Bo Jackson was significantly stronger and just basically as fast. That's Bo Jackson. <laughs> well, I hear Bo's a friend of the show, so we'll have to get him on and ask him. We are. I mean, he is. He's noted. He's always commenting on our stuff. I'm like, Bo, man. <laughs> all right. So the fast five. Let, let's rock this out real fast. All right, for, buddy. Uh, for all the uh, the single folks on Valentine's Day, if you if you had to guess a percentage of how many Americans, although strictly in America, obviously, will uh, will be single on Thursday, how many? How much? What's the percentage you would give out of the Hundreds of millions that live in this country. I'm going to go a little bit higher than I want to say. I'm going to go 33%. Wow, that's actually pretty close. Uh, it's 41%. Really? That's pretty – yeah, that's actually kind of fairly high that a lot of people are that are single. For sure. And then and then what I, a couple other numbers that I thought were kind of interesting were not only the 41%, but then – the uh, the most bought food on Valentine's Day, other than chocolate, is pizza. Yeah, because you're eating it alone. Yeah, uh, I can see know, that. I'm sure people aren't buying pizza for Valentine's Day dinner, or maybe they are. I don't know. And you know what? If you do have a significant other that you're buying pizza with on Valentine's Day, that's a keeper. Like you lock that up. You know, I I I took my my wife to White Castle several times on Valentine's Day. I got her the extra blue booth. So, uh, Valentine's Day actually goes back all the way to, uh, 600 years ago. That seems ridiculous. This one's a little historically based because no one, no one knows what any of these holidays actually fucking represent. 
But uh, Valentine's Day, uh, the act of giving a valentine started 600 years ago when uh, uh, somebody was imprisoned in the London Tower or the Tower of London. And uh, somebody had given them a little note with like a little, I don't want to, it didn't say a love note, but it was like an act of kindness note. Like, you know, you'll get through this, blah, blah, blah. And that's what started the act of giving a valentine. Do you know that ostriches don't actually (laughs) stick their head in the sand? That's a myth from the Roman times. They probably got confused because the ostriches were actually just laying down low. I didn't know that ostriches just stick their head in the sand. You never saw cartoons? You never saw a cartoon of an ostrich like sticking its head in the sand? Never. What kind of cartoons are you watching? Didn't you watch cartoons growing up? Not really. I I watched Pokemon, I think. I mean, that explains so much right now. Some Bugs Bunny every now and again, I guess. Bugs Bunny. I watch cartoons all the time. Yeah, but Bugs Bunny was probably, Looney Tunes was probably the main show where that was going to be happening. I mean, that's an easy Looney Tunes joke. They don't even have an ostrich on Looney Tunes. Yeah, but they were probably in the desert. I mean, I guess Wile E. Coyote, the desert isn't <laughs> the same as Africa, but not that kind of desert. <laughs> Wile E. Coyote was in the American desert. Ostriches are native to uh, Africa. Wile E. Coyote was not in Africa. Do you know what would make this segment like so much better right now? Hmm. Is if you rode an ostrich sometime within the next three months. Funny that you would bring that up because they do actually have ostrich racing. Ostriches are very fast, can reach speeds of up to 43 miles an hour. I bet you I could beat one in a, in a, in a 50-yard dash. I guarantee you could not, and the ostrich would destroy you. Just like you thought, for people who are just not familiar with this, John thought that he could outrun a bison, which runs 40 miles an hour. For some reason, John, who barely tops 11 miles an hour, while being running downhill, while being chased by a bear, would not I, be able to beat them. I still think I could. But what you always fail to tell people is it's from a dead start. It and it's only, 40, it's only 40 yards. Do you realize that everyone thinks that this is ridiculous, that you think that you could beat them? So, some Someday, somehow, we're going to test this. We don't need to test it. It's like, do you think you would survive on the surface of the sun? We don't need to test that. Everybody knows that, no, you wouldn't. By the time the buffalo hit the 20-yard mark, I would already be done. No, by the time the buffalo hit the 20-yard mark, you would already, you're out of breath pacing around your house. You're not going to make it 20 yards. By the time the buffalo. I'm not out of breath pacing. I can still run a 40-yard dash, and I would beat a buffalo. From start to finish. No, you would not. There's I absolutely would, no chance that you would. By the time the buffalo... I would make this prediction. By the time the buffalo hit 40 yards, I don't think you would have crossed the 12. No, they, they, don't, they, don't, they don't start quick. They finish quick. Okay, let's take this from a logical... Let's, can we take this from a logical train of thought, right? What muscles control power? How fast something can get moving. It's legs. Legs, but specifically what type of a muscle? Like what would be a test to tell if something could get started quickly? Say a vertical jump tw- test, right? <laughs> a, essentially how quickly the muscle can fire as a vertical okay, jump sure, test. Right, okay. All right. So what was your vertical jump? That, that, that's irrelevant. That's I, a, that's a, that's a, that's a, doesn't have a vertical. 
No, a bison does have a vertical. I know what the bison's vertical is. I looked up how high they can jump. Shut up. A, bu- a buffalo cannot fucking jump. A buffalo has been known to clear six feet in the air. Can Get you jump six out. feet in the air? Can you jump six feet yeah. in the air? No, I can't. A buffalo can't jump six feet in the air. Yes, they can. They can jump six feet in the air. It's on Wikipedia. We're, we're moving on with this conversation or mm-hmm. we're going we're gonna to be stuck on it. What's your next one? I'm hot about this. Because it's just ridiculous. It's just ridiculous, ridiculous that you think that you could beat a buffalo. No, nobody seems to understand that they're, 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 a, they're a force. They're a force, right? They don't start off going 40 miles an hour. No, they obviously they like don't. Two. They have to get going to that amount of speed. But when you have enough muscle that you can jump six feet in the air – which is something that is related to direct power that they are creating, if you can do that, then you can get started pretty quickly. It's not like you can jump six feet in the air, which is starting out on the ground and jumping into the air, which is using powerful muscles, and you just can't start running. You can't jump. I, I guarantee you can't jump more than 20 inches off the ground right now. I, I probably can, but I'm telling you, I could beat a buffalo in a 40-yard dash from from uh, from a standstill. No, that thing would not. That thing would not even get going until it reaches forty yards down down the road. But even if it okay, so what percentage do you think that the buffalo of its top speed? What percentage do you think the buffalo could hit in forty yards? Six miles an hour. That's that's my reasoning. It's not a fucking train. It's not a train. It's a it live a animal. It is a train. No, it's a live animal that can jump in the air. It's not a train. It doesn't work like that. All right, we we need to move on, or we're just gonna keep going over. I'm over getting hot. This. Your shirt's still on, right? No, I, my pants are off. But that's another story. <laughs> yeah, that's. I just took this to a whole nother level. Okay, what's uh, your next fast five? All right. Uh... Americans will spend over $20 billion on Valentine's Day this year. Damn. How much are you going to drop? Nothing. I, I don't do Valentine's Day. I'm actually – I'm probably going to just go to dinner, so I'm going to I'm gonna try to keep it under 20. <laughs> a little. A little. <laughs> I didn't say I was taking my wife. What's your next one? Uh, candy hearts. I think they're disgusting, but apparently they're popular. How old do you think the candy heart is? Pretty old. I'm going to go 77 years. Wow. You are only off by about 300 years. Wow. Really? 66. When? 1866. Yeah, but not in the modern form. And nobody's buying candy hearts because they taste good. They're buying them because they say shit on them. Yeah, but then it rubs off half the time. It's just, it's fucking annoying. You know, it's the thought that counts. Why do you, why do you have to be such a dick about Valentine's Day? I, I'm, not, I'm not the biggest fan of Hallmark holidays, which. Brings me to my last point, fast five, if you will, that there will be almost 150 million holiday cards or Valentine's Day cards exchanged on Thursday. 150 million pieces of paper for one stupid holiday. I wonder, did you ever find out how Valentine's Day spending compares to other holidays? Uh, I did. Well, no, I, I was <laughs> trying to find a comparison and all. The only thing I kept seeing it compared to is Christmas, and Christmas uh, is is above and beyond uh, Valentine's Day. I bet actually I would think Valentine's Day is probably up there pretty high though. Are you ready? I, I'm pretty excited. I don't think that you're really excited about our top five this week, but I think it could be really good and an insight into our souls. <laughs> 
can you preface it at least to like I, I don't want to give it away before you say it, but I I wanted a little bit narrow, more narrow of like of the genre, but just just lead into it and then I'll, we'll talk about it. So John and I are both married men, and as wise married men, we wanted to give you guys what we thought was our top five just overall dating pieces of advice. Okay, what? but that's that's not what it was in the beginning, was it? No, but I changed it as we continued to have the conversation. And despite the fact that the conversation was in text, which is written form, you continued to like go back to the original thing, even though I said it was evolving. Like I don't know why you were doing that. <laughs> because I, I want you to say it out loud as to what you wanted the, the, the top five to be this week. I honestly don't even oh top five ways to get your to get your significant other in the mood. No, you didn't even say. It. You said top five ways to get in the mood, and here I'm thinking like, does he mean like me get in the mood, get my wife in the mood? This is a personal flaw of mine that when I deal with people that I talk to on a significant basis, I just assume ahead of time that you know that what I'm talking about, and I get really angry about it. Like I get really frustrated. I'm like, why is why can't you figure this out? Like, why is this difficult? I don't know because we're two thousand miles apart. That's not true. Heart away. We're never that far apart. Not in our hearts. We aren't actually. I think I think they're connected right now. Yeah, our souls are. <laughs> What's your number five dating advice? Overall dating advice. So my number five is and. This is going for uh, we're we're doing singles, right? Like if you're single, yeah, sure, single, married, whatever. Just overall right. dating love advice. I have uh, I have don't be afraid to spend some money. That's probably yeah. You got to kind of go in there and you got to. It's kind of like you got to mark your territory almost. You can't be cheap with it. No, I mean whether you're on your first date or your fiftieth date, the the other person wants to feel special, and you want to feel special if you're in their shoes, right? Right. You don't want to. You don't want to go out on a date to get all snazzed up and then find out you're going, to, you know, fucking Chuck E. Cheese's for the night. Uh, my number five is if she smokes, she pokes. <laughs> I knew you were gonna go with some stupid ass one line bullshit. I knew it. It's great advice though. If she smokes, she pokes. <laughs> I knew it. I actually put some thought into my top five. And the whole time I'm writing it down, I'm just thinking, he's just going to go with stupid bullshit one-liners. That's which, great fucking advice. How is that not great advice? <laughs> First off, I think I've heard that once in my entire life. And I don't even know if it's true. I'm going to assume it's true. I think that it's obviously true. If she smokes, she pokes. Everybody knows that. <laughs> Why do you have to say it like that? Because that's how you say it. You can't say it like not douchebaggy. you got to say it douchebaggy. Uh, you're, you're a terrible human being. <laughs> Do you want my number four? Maybe I'll turn things around with my number four. Yeah, let's, what is it? When you're arguing with your significant other, you need to find the real reason somebody is mad. There's always the hard emotion, which is them yelling at you. But you have to find the soft emotion, which is the reason that they're mad at you. Like, oh, you're staying out late tonight. That's the hard emotion. The real soft emotion is they're mad because they don't get to spend that time with you. See, so my, my thought, and actually, well, you know what? We'll, we'll come back to that. Let me just say that. Okay. Um, my, my number four is always make time uh, to enjoy the little things, which is so fucking cliche, but it's the absolute truth because time flies, 
and before you know it, you're going to be 60 with three kids, and you're, you're not going to have enjoyed anything with your significant other other than just going through life, you know, on a regular basis. I think that people generally kind of get caught up in the basic, the business of being alive, like going to the grocery store, cleaning the house. But you can make those I, things special. Did you know that most bir- birds store their urine and poop in the same place? The ostrich is one of the few birds that does not. They have separate areas of storage for poop and pee. I, I, I did not know that. What's your number three? Did you know that I could beat an ostrich in a 40-yard No, dash? you can't. An ostrich, maybe not. I, I Actually, I what's why. funny about it, too, is that the ostrich is not significantly faster than the bison. Yeah, but they have a quicker starting. You don't know that. You have no fuck, You have no comparison for that whatsoever. You know nothing about how either an ostrich or a bison runs, but you just assume that because the bison is bigger that it can't start as fast, which, quite frankly, is animal racism. <laughs> All right, well, uh... Yeah, what? or speciesism, I don't know. Whatever, what's your number three? What was that gorilla in Ohio that got shot, remember? And everyone was, was saying that that was animal racism. Harambe, R.I.P., Harambe, R.I.P. <laughs> Alright, uh, I, I, I preface this one with, uh, I am not, by any means, uh, an expert on relationships. But if, maybe number three is my most important and that is, uh, you know, once a week, once a month, you should always try to try to do something special uh, for the other person. That's a good Whether one. That, you know, uh, that could be anything. I won't go into, you know, specific details, but. <laughs> Wait a minute. What are you talking about? What are you talking about something special? No, what, I mean, it, it what are you anything. doing over there at the Shoal House? <laughs> Well, you know, when you have a kid, the game changes, as you know. So, are you call? Is, is she calling in the reliever? <laughs> uh, no, not, not not that I know of. The reliever. Is that what kids call it nowadays? The reliever. I don't know. I just made that up, but I'm pretty happy with it. I'm gonna stick with it. Yeah, all right. Well, what's what's your number three of that? I'm gonna hate. Uh, my number three is two things, really. Number one, women love cards. Always get a card. That'll get you out of anything. And number two, this is more for the women. Men do not notice your signals. We do not notice them. You need to be oh, direct. God, no. We, But then again, half the time, the signals that we don't get, they're fucked up anyways. Like you have to like be Sherlock Holmes to get half the signals that women send. I remember one time when my wife was like, I scratched your back on Tuesday. Okay, I thought you were just bumping into me on the way to the fridge. Like, I didn't know what you were doing. Apparently, that was sign for sex. I didn't know about it. Well, if anyone from the show ever visits you and they see your wife uh, bump into you, I guess they know they should probably just turn around and leave because something's going down. Yeah, all right. They know we're going to be playing some Mario Kart. Oh, Jesus. Uh, uh, Let's see. My number two is I have... Find somebody that you can be yourself around because, of course, I went serious with the list and I feel like a douchebag now. <laughs> By be yourself, I mean you know when you find like that person because all the stereotypes, everything else, you trying to do, do and be other things, you know, they just all go away. You're, you're just so relaxed that you can be you and it's literally the best feeling ever. My number two is <laughs> women remember everything that's it's very true they don't 
and they don't forgive uh, easy either. No. My number one is it's the most simplest thing, but we don't fucking do it ever, men or women, and that's communicate. Ooh, nice. Yeah. That's the, that. I mean, that's the biggest piece of advice I can give anybody. As you just communicate, it makes everything better and easier. Then you can literally avoid ninety nine percent of all the bullshit that happens in a relationship if you just communicate with the other person. Do you think that you're in general a big softy? Because I think you are. I don't think I'm a softy. However, I do think that I know how to treat a woman. <laughs> I feel like we should get your wife right now on the thing, <laughs> and I just I hope she just goes, "No, he doesn't." No, he doesn't. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 240 plus pounds of love machine. I think you need to bump that up to about 280. If you want to get some loving, clean something. Um, you try yeah, it. I, I don't. You try it at the I, Shoal household. You clean up, tidy something up when they're not expecting it. See, I would say build something. Yeah, that's along those same lines, though. Like you've got to yeah. do, yeah. Wait a it's really particular on who your who your wife or partner or whoever is, but if you can find like the one thing that shows them that like you care, and it's like like a chore or some kind of craft, what's, it, might, it might not even wait till the evening. It might just happen right then and there on the kitchen counter. What's your go to move? Like, are you gonna try to put like the towel? Are you gonna put the towel over it, or do you have like a move? Or you what's what's John Schull's go to? Um, like trying to entice a woman move alcohol <laughs> i'm kidding that might have, that, i said it out loud i realized that might, have, that might have sounded way worse than it should have came out so that's gonna go ahead and do it for this episode of the profoundly pointless podcast i want to thank you guys so much for joining us if you get a chance like download subscribe share we really appreciate it It really helps us out we still have that $500 mystery photo contest going so if you think that you took this picture it's might be the kind of picture you might not remember even taking or you know the person who took this head on over to our social media accounts and you can find it you might get yourself $500 coming up on the next episode eh, we'll see Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.